I'm your host, Joe Opager. Here's my good friend and co-host, the wild man, Jody White. Hey, Joe. Welcome to episode 43. Yes, sir. 43. That's kind of a lot. What's the number you wanted? 52? 52 is what I was shooting for. Okay. Nine more? Then what? I don't know. Aren't we going to keep doing it? I don't know. We'll have to wait until 52 and find out, I guess. I guess so. Hey, um, programming note, by the way. For maybe people who don't listen all the way through, uh, our fantasy fishing winner still hasn't gotten in contact. Uh oh. So, so what does that mean? We go to number two? Well, I think so. But just to be safe, to speed this along, if you're in the top, if you're in the top four, because we actually got an email from yeah. the guy who finished. Instead. Number five says I'm a listener. <laughs> um, I'm ready. If you're in the top four and you're a listener, and I mean you can look at these standings on fantasyfishing.com, you can see them. But if you're in the top four, send us an email podcast at flwfishing.com that's podcast at flwfishing.com because we need to find out who of the actual listeners ended up in first place so we can distribute some goodies i've got the names here in front of me uh, second place was zach parkent third was josh futch fourth was james cassidy and fifth was john obar john was the guy that Clean emailed it. in last week and was like hey guys big fan Cody Fur really if you took, get a here? Di- took a dive, didn't he? Yeah, Cody is actually number six. So after you know being in the running for that ten thousand dollars, kind of stumbled towards the end of the season, I guess. Oh well, it happens in fantasy fishing. I it's know tough. it's a volatile game, right? However, Ounce Zach, money. Zach, Josh, or James, get in touch with us. What did you say about money? Ounces is money. Ounces is money in this game. It's <laughs> a good saying from our old our old buddy Ron Lappin. Who didn't do the right of back way in this weekend, which oh, really wow. me out. Who was it? Was it Billy? Yeah. Okay. I didn't get wow. I didn't get my Ron Lappin fix, which is very important to me, to be honest. <laughs> I'm sure Ron will be back for the next one. I hope so. I don't even know when the next one is though. Is it lacrosse or is it the one out in California? Uh, looking at the schedule, the next one is Clear Lake, right? Lacrosse. Oh, Lacrosse. La Clear Lake is actually mid October. So yeah, we've got three left: Lacrosse, Rayburn, and then Clear Lake. Awesome. I forgot about Rayburn. I yeah. Didn't forget about Rayburn. It's we'll get into cool the uh, Railvac on the James that happened last weekend uh, after our interview here with co-angler champion. Brian New. Brian New, which I'm very excited to talk to him. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good interview coming up. Anything you want to get to before we uh, get New on the phone? Uh, well, we got awesome weather. I want to talk about that. Yes. We talk about the weather a lot. Recently, we haven't been. We should talk about this weather. <laughs> it feels like September. This is prime time in Minnesota right now as far as weather goes. Usually, state it's state fair time. It's like 90 to 100 degrees, but right now we've had like mid-70s and... Uh, Low humidity. It's beautiful up here right now. Yes, it is. I actually wore a sweatshirt when I got off the water last night, which was nice. One of the things that I have noticed up here is the leaves are already starting to turn a little bit. You can't really see any out the window, but on the drive down and my commute into work, treetops are starting to change already, and I feel like it's a little early for that. Well, you live further north, 
So that could be the yeah. thing. It is almost September as well. I mean, got an awesome Labor Day weekend coming up, and then after that, we're in the fall. So. Yeah. Speaking of awesome Labor Day weekend, I'm fired up to get back out in Pool 3. Yeah. Tell us about all this fishing action you've been... So I went to Pool 3 of Mississippi last weekend, or last Sunday, I guess. Okay. I launched out of this little rinky-dink launch, which I had to test. First, it's sort of like this... It's not really a launch. It's more like an area where there's dirt. <laughs> and so I tried to something you sa- found on the side of the road or something. Well, it's a boat launch, but it's okay, not, not very formalized. Um, so I tried to launch in the middle of it, and I kept backing up, backing up, backing up. I was like, "Well, this isn't going to cut it. I'm going to have to back <laughs> up halfway into the into the backwater to get the boat in." So I pulled out and I tried to launch on sort of like the right hand side. Second time, found the deeper edge, was able to get the boat in, which I was happy about. Uh, but man. Caught the fire out of him. It was awesome. I was throwing a swim jig. I felt like Tom Monsoor tearing it up. I was like, "Yeah, baby, <laughs> this is great." I'm um, a river rat. Yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, so I'm starting to like the Mississippi a lot more after my first time on it. So it's a good thing I'm going back for sure. What pools do they get to fish out of for the lacrosse Rayovac event? I think it's like five and six, maybe. Okay. It's it's a higher number. It's not. It's not pool three, and I think that you could go to pool four, but I don't think a lot of people go to pool four, I think. But I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. Well, give us the breakdown on your numbers. Like, how many were you catching? I mean... Any, the bite better at any certain point? Get specific with the swim jig here? I okay, want some so, details. Well, so I was throwing a swim jig. Uh, Frugal Fishing Lures is the swim jig. Uh, actually, they're made by... A buddy of mine who used to be on the Virginia Tech bass fishing team. Ah, okay. Uh, he started making them his senior year of school. Shout out to? Nick Prescott. All right. He started making them his senior year of school, and they were actually like, they weren't very good the first time he made them. <laughs> I was like, well, all right, these are something. Yeah, and this then is something, sent, Nick. he sent me a few a while back, and I was like, well, I'll give them a shot. They look good. Man, I mean, I definitely caught over 50 fish. Um, wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I caught 100 fish. Probably not. Probably between 50 and 75 somewhere. I mean, I caught a lot of fish, had a lot of doubles, a lot of back-to-backs, or back-to-back-to-backs, rather, and back-to-backs. Uh, Were they I mean, cookie cutters, or did you get some big ones in there? I think I don't think I caught 18 pounds, but I think I caught about 17 and a half pounds. Um, so For your best a, five, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So I had a bunch of three-pounders, uh, but it was a ton of, like, pound-and-a-half and, and two-pounders, which is a lot of fun. Definitely. Sounds like uh, a good no, day. Nothing that touched four, I would say, though. So not quite Champlain, but I, I still like it a lot. It was fun. So you're going back this weekend, Labor yeah, Day weekend. Definitely. Well, I'm going back on Friday because uh, we get Friday off. As yeah, woo! Cup holiday, Thank you, I'm FLW. Um, so I'm going back Friday, and I'll probably go back Sunday and probably Monday. Or maybe not. I don't know. I got some fishing to do this weekend. I'm just going to play it by ear, see what happens. Sounds awesome. I'm heading out to the State Fair on Friday. Have you ever been to the Minnesota State Fair yet? It's a big deal here, Jody. I have not. I I do understand that it's a big deal. I've definitely... It's The State Fair is a bigger deal here than I've I've ever seen a State Fair be a deal about. I mean... It's the great Minnesota get-together. That's what we call it. I hear that on the radio a lot. Yeah, so I'm heading out there on Friday. I'm going to try some, uh, you know, fried alligator and some fried candy bars and some corn on the cob and all the good fair food. I'm excited. All right. You can only get corn on the cob at the fair? Well, no, but it's really good at the fair. 
All right. Turkey legs. Yeah, I'm gonna eat it all. It's gonna be awesome. Cool, man. That sounds uh, that sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. Yeah. Have fun. I, I love eating that kind of food. All right. That being said, should we get Brian New on the phone? Let's yeah. talk to our co-angler, Fourthwood Cup champion. All right. Let's do this thing. And now we're joined by Brian New, Forestwood Cup co-angler champion. Brian, how have you been? I've been great, man. The last couple of weeks have been crazy busy. Um, just fishing a lot. You know, had a done a, done a lot of interviews and and just you know trying doing a lot of work for my sponsors and trying to help them out. Awesome. So it's it's been pretty good. Cool. Can you? I guess talk a little bit about what it was like actually winning the cup. I mean, you've been close before. You've had top fives, but it must have been insane to actually win and to, to take home the check. Yeah, it was, you know, it, for a few days, you know, it, it, it didn't hit me because I was so, you know, still there at, at the cup. Everything else was still going on. You know, I was so busy there. And then when I got home, uh, Monday night, you know, it started relaxing a little bit. It, it hit me. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just won this thing. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's been great. You know, I've been so close so many times. And, you know, this is my, only my third year, and I finished fifth and fourth my first two years. And then I actually win this. And then I finished third four times this year, you know, twice in the tour and then twice in the Rayovac. So, to actually pull off a big, to pull off a win period, but especially the Forestwood Cup, you know, the biggest tournament there is, it's just incredible. I mean, it's life changing. So I've been really excited, and, and you know, I'm excited to to step up, you know, to the front of the boat and the Rayovax next year, and just keep working my way up, and hopefully, I can have it as much success in the array of acts as a pro as I have in the tour as a co-angler. Awesome. And Brian, just go from there. Give us a rundown of your cup week. When did you get into town? Did, did you practice, if at all? And if so, who did you practice with? What was that like? Where did you stay? Give us the rundown of, you know, the logistics of the cup week. You know, um, I travel with Brian Thrift and practice with him. I have, you know, all year and we, you know, every year since I fished the tour started in 2012, I've always practiced with him in the cup. And uh, well, let me stop you right there, real quick. How do you get partnered up with Brian Thrift? I mean, even coming in three years ago, he's one of the top anglers in the world, and to just you know become his practice partner—that's pretty awesome. How did you get hooked up there? Uh, we live about 45 minutes apart, and, you know, we got a little group here at the house where everybody knows everybody, and, you know, it's just kind of lucked into it. Uh, you know, I've been friends with him for a long time, and, you know, it just worked out. Me and him, our fishing styles are the same. We're both, uh, you know, crazy about tackles. I don't think there's anybody out there that's all into it like me and Brian. I mean, Something new comes out, we got to find out something else that's better. That every we always try to stay, you know, a few steps ahead of everything. And I think we carry more tackle together than any, you know, body on tour. It's just like all my his boat slowed down with all of my stuff. His truck slowed down with all of his stuff. It's, we're like a, a 
traveling Walmart. <laughs> but no, it's you know we and also we practice so good together. You know we're always trying to say, well, you know, if this works, let's why can't we make it a little bit better? And we're always thinking of something crazy. Everybody's got their own, you know, go-to stuff, and and we have that also. But we always try to figure out something crazy that nobody else is going to be doing. And a lot of times we don't figure that out, but we're going to try to. Okay, but so no, you and Brian, we, we you know, any- make the trek over from Carolina or trek up? Or is it down? I don't even know. I guess you make the trek to Lake yeah, Murray. It's down. Yeah, you make the trek to Lake Murray. What was your practice like? How did you guys practice? And uh, give us a rundown of logistics. Uh, well, we got in. We came in town Friday uh, prior to practice. Brian had some, uh, you know, he had some appearances that he had to go to. And and me and him and his wife, Allie, son, Wiley, you know, we all came in that day. And also his niece, she came in with us. And then we got in Friday. They were out fishing, brim fishing on the dock, and we're sitting there like, gosh, we can't even go down and, and watch them brim fish. So <laughs> it was, you know, it, we looked up. We got a a friend of a friend has a, a $1.6 million house on the lake. <laughs> I mean, wow. we're living like kings. Had a boat ramp at the house, everything. I mean, it was just unbelievable, uh, you know, of a week. So we started practicing uh, Sunday. We got on the lake about an hour, hour and a half before daylight. I mean, we hit it hard. We practiced, you know, before daylight till after dark every day. And the first day of practice was absolutely terrible. <laughs> the second, I had, I think I caught two short fish, and I'm talking like eight or nine inches the first day of practice. So I was even more lost then than I was back in pre-practice. Uh, the second day of practice, I caught one keeper, and I was still just as lost. I mean, I hadn't learned anything yet. The last day, I caught a five-pounder on the first cast with the wacky worm. The first cast I made with a wacky worm, I caught a five-pounder. I said, uh-oh, I figured something out. <laughs> and, you know, eight hours later, I caught one more that was almost a keeper. And I was like, well, you know... Definitely hadn't figured a whole lot out here, but this is the only thing I have any confidence in whatsoever. So I said, I'm going to throw this a lot. And that was that new uh, Charlie's Worm prototype uh, finesse worm. I was throwing it wacky style. And the first morning of the tournament, it was a little choppy, uh, a little overcast. So I started out with the buzz bait. I knew that topwater deal was there was a small window in the morning to do that so i knew i could do that then and, and then finesse fish later in the day and the eighth or ninth cast of that morning i caught uh i think it was a three pounder it was my biggest fish of the day on the buzz bait a few casts later i had another two pounder maybe a little bit bigger he just really i it was i was so jacked up at that point because i just wanted to make sure i caught one fish during the two days not zero because i knew it was that tough and there was a huge possibility of doing that. But um, I don't know if I took it away from the fish or the fish did, just didn't get the bait, but I just knew that, that was going to bite bad and wound up, you know, it didn't hurt me. But throughout the day, I caught one more 
on the Charlie's Worms Hopping Frogs, and then I caught two on that new uh, prototype worm on a shaky head. And I, I knew I had a good bag. I didn't think that I would be leading. I thought I'd be in top five, but I definitely didn't think I'd be leading and then have like a two-and-a-half-pound lead. So it was pretty exciting. You know, I, but, yeah, I was leading the Forestwood Cup. I had a great day. But, I, you know, I try to keep it in my head. Let's just go fishing. Don't think about what's on the line. I don't want to get – I don't let that stuff get to me. I just go out there and do my best. And, uh, you know, after it's over, then you can think about what it is. Okay. Then I guess um, I, I want to ask you more generally. I want to go back to the practice thing. But you've had a ton of success as a co-angler. So, you know, you're, you're pretty consistent. When, you, when you're practicing, and you're sometimes practicing for different things than what – whatever pro you happen to draw is going to do. How do you, how, how does, how does that help you when you get on the water? I mean, are, sometimes you got to be unprepared, right? Or do you have to just prepare for everything? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people say practice as a co-angler doesn't help you or it can confuse you more than it helps you because of that, that there's so many different things going on. But the thing with fishing with Brian, he's, he's going to try almost everything. Yeah, he's got an idea of what he's going to do, but he's trying to figure out, is this better than that or is that better than this or all of that different stuff. But the number one thing I think that helps you, no matter who you practice with, is just getting out, seeing the watercolor on different parts of the lake. If it's a lake you've never been to, seeing how that lake, you know, folds out. Um, there's shallow banks or there's steeper banks, flat. Uh, is there a lot of rocks? What kind of grass does it have? Just all so many different things there. But on top of that, I also always try to find one finesse technique, you know, one main finesse technique to see what I can get the most bites on, which at Murray wasn't very many bites. And then I try to find out one power technique. And... I try to incorporate all of that with shallow or deep and then vice versa. See, like, you know, a shaky head, you can throw it anywhere, deep, shallow, same with a drop shot. And then the top water, you know, you'll have different top waters for for out deep than you will up shallow. But are they feeding on brim or are they feeding on blueback heron or gizzard shad or threadfin shad? Just try to put all that together and, uh, you know, on top of seeing what the watercolor is. I think the, the watercolor, to me, seeing the watercolor in different parts of the lake helps me, or different parts of the lake helps me more than anything. Okay. Good deal. Um you know, you mentioned that 2015 you're going to fish as a pro in a couple of the Rayovacs, at least. Do you have a firm idea of what your 2015 plans are right now? Um, well, you know, I say I'm going to do that. That's what I really want to do, and I probably will wind up doing that. But I'm just trying to look at it as a business right now and make sure that I make the right decision. 
and I'm not rushing things. But everything works out. I'm going to fish the Ravax as a pro. But no matter what, I'm going to continue fishing the tour as a co-angler just because, I mean, you can learn so much. And I mean, I, I love traveling. I get to go to some of the coolest places in the country and, you know, have a chance to fish for a lot of money. And I get to be with the best pros in the world. So, I mean, there's so much you can take away from that. Okay. Uh, Do you have any aspirations of moving up to the pro level at, at the FLW Tour? Or are you happy just being a co-angler? Oh, no, absolutely. I'm definitely. That's what I've always wanted to do. I mean, FLW is the greatest, uh, you know, tournament organization in, in the world. I mean, I definitely want to move up and fish as a professional full-time. But in my mind, the best decision for me, the best route for me, is to go, you know, fish the Ravacs as a pro for at least one or two years before I move up. You know, I started out uh, fishing the BFLs when I was 16. I, you know, I fished one, one division for a couple years, and then I fished two divisions for a few years, and then I won the points. I said, well, I did this. I worked my way to here. Let's go ahead and let's move up to the tour level and see what I can do from there. So uh, I just skipped the Ravax, went straight to the tour, had a lot of success, and uh, now here I, I won the cup. Now it's time to go to one more step and, uh, you know, just see where we can go from there. Hopefully, you know, I, I have success in the Ravax, you know, and then I can make that next step. So you, you won know, a nice $50,000 paycheck at the cup, and obviously that's, you know, a good cushion, a good cushion, excuse me, for the next few years. Was there anything that you purchased or splurged on with, uh, with your winnings? Oh, not yet. Um, I think I'm going to buy a new Suburban. Maybe not a new one, but I think I'm going to buy a Suburban. Okay. Uh, other than that, no, not really. Just I've made uh, several tackle warehouse orders, you know, pretty <laughs> big orders. So, uh, so you're saying about uh, half is gone already. Oh, no. No, actually, I just put the uh, check in the bank uh, Monday or, yeah, Monday, because I wanted to hold on to it for as long as I can. I'm really, really tight with my money. I don't like spending it. it I can go to the store and, and get a drink. It's like, gosh, I just spent $2. <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to come by. And we work so hard to get it. Yeah, people think fishing, hey, you're living the dream. Yes, I absolutely love it. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. And, you know, even as a co-angler, that is how I make my living. Yes, I work another job, but the majority of my money, the last three years anyways, has came from fishing. And, you know, next year I may, may lose everything. But, uh, you know, it is a dream, but there is a lot of work. You probably work harder at this. I know I work harder at this than any other job that I could have. But I would not. I'm not complaining in one bit. Okay, good deal. Um, so at the cup, I was talking to you and basically not working and talking about fishing instead, and looking at some gigantic swim baits you had. Can you talk a little bit about those? Because I've seen you throwing them. I think you threw them down at Lake Fork when you were practicing there with thrift. Um, yep. And I mean, they're they're super cool looking baits. 
it's uh you know a buddy of mine that there goes there go back to trying to get ahead of the game you play five years from now you look and see where these big swim baits are it's not going to be just a california thing everybody across the country is going to be throwing them yeah they're crazy expensive but what people don't realize that it takes so long to make these baits that's why they're so expensive. I mean, the ones that I use, a buddy of mine, Tater Hog, uh, his name's Matt McBee, his custom, his lure company is called Tater Hog's Custom Lures. And, you know, he makes other stuff in the swim baits, but that's his, you know, his masterpieces, those, those big giant swim baits and glide baits. And I've seen a lot of work. Every day I'm constantly on the internet looking for something new. And nobody, can touch the detail on his baits. It's just absolutely unbelievable. But each each one takes about twelve hours to make, and, and they oh. retail for two hundred twenty-five dollars for one bait. Uh, it's not a bait that you're going to catch a ton of fish on year-round. And in the springtime, you can catch a lot more on it than you would think. But it's a bait that you can always have. Say I got a pretty decent bag, I can pick that up and try to fish for one bite the rest of the day. Or in practice, it's a really good practice tool because there'll be so many fish that come out and follow the bait that don't actually eat it. It can show you where the biggest fish on the lake live, and then you just have to figure out how to catch them. But you can cover so much more water with that bait or that tool, and it can tell you so much. Okay. okay. You got a question? Oh, I I wanted to go back to you fish the as a as a co angler on the BFLs, um, and you fished as a co angler on the tour. What what's the biggest difference between those two from a co angler's perspective? Do you do you actually fish differently? Is it different? You know, because you draw out different levels of anglers. Uh, what did you notice in that transition? Um, I think the biggest thing will probably be down in a BFL. Let me say this starting off before I go anywhere else. The biggest thing as a co-angler, no matter what level you are as being at being successful, is knowing your place. Knowing that you're a co-angler, that you're not up that you're not supposed to be fishing in the front of the boat. You gotta fish whatever's left over. And you know, that's just part of it. You gotta take it for what it is. You're not out there trying to feed your family if you want if you want to fish in the pro and be able to make all the decisions pay your four thousand dollars and fish from the front but just realize don't push your pros don't try to cast ahead of them you know if they come up schooling you know beside the boat unless he tells you to throw over there you let him make the first cast that's that's helped me more than anything because if you start pushing them and trying to get ahead of them, it's going to do nothing but hurt you because they can put you where you can't fish if they really want to. But as going back to the BFLs versus the tour, I guess, um, you know, BFL guys are a lot more lenient. They don't, you know, they'll say, yeah, throw wherever you want to, which, you know, I'm going to be respectful to everybody. But if somebody tells me, yeah, throw up there. You're a fool not to. I mean, because that's a perfect <laughs> opportunity. Uh, and then, you know, 
the people, it, they just fish. Your pros versus, you know, the amateurs and the BFLs, they fish a lot harder uh, as far as the majority. Now, I have thrown some people in BFLs that fish really hard, and, and you know, they could be a pro if they wanted to, but they just that's just not their desire. And there's a lot more. On, I mean, you're talking a couple thousand dollars versus $125,000. So, of course, they're going to be fishing harder. Brian, you've had a ton of success in your three years as a co-angler on the FLW Tour, and you're obviously doing something a little differently than a lot of other co-anglers. Uh, what advice could you give other than, you know, stay out of your pro's way? What tips could you give to other co-anglers to, you know, get them to see more consistency? Oh, just keep an open mind. Never get so too dialed into one thing. Um, being able to – the number one thing – well, I'm not going to call it number one, but the the best thing that I've learned since I started fishing the tour is don't be afraid of a spinning rod and finesse uh, tactics and light line. Before I started fishing the tour, I hated clear water. I hated fishing a spinning rod, shaky head, drop shot. That was not my thing. And if I would have, if I would have done it years ago, like I do now, I'd have made a lot more money than I have. But I would stick to power fishing, and I did, you know, a couple big bites, and I wouldn't be able to fill out a limit. If I'd have picked up the spinning rod years ago, you know, I would have, I'd have been able to win several BFLs. But you know, just being versatile, not being afraid to fish for as many bites as you can. Once you get a, a good limit, which at each lake, everybody has an idea of what a good limit is. I mean, you go to Beaver Lake, you catch 10 pounds, then you can start gambling. You go to Gunnersville, you better catch 20 pounds before you start gambling. Or you go to Murray, you catch 5 pounds, and, hey, I'm doing pretty good, so I can I can either start gambling or keep doing what I'm doing and try to, you know, build on what I've already got. But just being versatile and not getting too dialed in on one thing. I like there's been several times that I've been going down the bank, say, you know, just for instance, not necessarily. Uh, well, you can take it. Say I'm going down the bank throwing a topwater, and I see one stick right there. So, well, I'll throw my topwater by it, but I'm going to pick up my shaky head, and I'll make one cast with it, and then I'm going to get back to my topwater. There's been so many times I've done that and being quick with it, making being organized and being just saving time on the water does so much because you only have eight hours, eight or nine hours to get five bots. You don't have, you're not going to have very many opportunities as a co-angler. You got to make every single second count and don't waste any time. All right, awesome, good deal. Joe, do you have anything else? Yeah, I've got two questions left for Brian. Uh, the first one is, other than Brian Thrift, your travel partner, who do you look up to in the industry? Um, you know, I would definitely have to say Brian's number one because, I mean, he's one of the best there are. Definitely. And you get the better you get to know him, he's just as good a person as you could ever meet. Uh I'd say number two is probably Bill Taylor. I mean, he's one of the <laughs> hardest working people you'll ever meet. 
you know, he does so much for other people and for the tournament anglers. And, and you know, I honestly believe that FLW wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for Bill Taylor. So he's done so much for the sport, and he don't get near as much recognition as he deserves. All right. I know he'll be thrilled to hear that. So thank you for those kind words. <laughs> uh, last question I've got for you is where do you see yourself in five years? Shoot, I don't know. Hopefully, if everything goes the way I'd like it, I'd be, you know, fishing the tour as a pro and, you know, owning some kind of business. Okay. Because, you know, you're not guaranteed to make any money fishing as a pro. I want to. I want to have guaranteed money coming in also. But sure. that would, you know, that would be the dream. I would like for that to be to be at that point in five years. Okay. That's cool. Awesome. Well, Brian, I think uh, before we let you go, um, if there's some fans out there, they want to find you, find you on the Internet, uh, where should they look? Uh, Brian New Fishing on Facebook. Uh, Brian New Fishing at Instagram or on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with fishingtheback.com, so you can follow their Facebook and uh, Instagram page, and also you can go to their website and see a lot of stuff on their website. But um, definitely check out Brian New Fishing, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll be doing a lot of contests and giving away a lot of Charlie's Worms products there. And, uh, you know, just we'll see where we can go from here and, Hopefully we can have a lot of success next year. All right. How about any of those two hundred dollars swim baits? Are you going to be giving any of those away? Oh yeah, for uh, <laughs> maybe for two hundred dollars. I might give you a deal on it. <laughs> yeah, I think they're two fifty, Joe. Oh okay. To listen closely. I was thinking for a Facebook contest. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they uh, you know, I don't get those for free. <laughs> no, I won't be giving those away. All right, so, good deal. They're too hard to get. Well, Brian, thanks for coming on. Uh, congratulations on the win, and good luck in 2015. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks, Brian. So, Joe, we just got done talking with Brian New, Forestwood Cup, Coingler champion. Uh, had a great interview. Did anything in particular stick out about that to you? Um, I loved his advice to his fellow co-anglers about, you know. To be nice to the pros? Yes, and realize that, that they're not pros like the pros are out there fishing for a huge amount of money that's one of the biggest gripes we hear is is i got stuck with a weird co-angler who was you know not respecting my water and doing things that he maybe shouldn't have been so yeah i'm i'm actually all for that advice um i i i mean i've never really had a bad experience with a co-angler um and i feel like i've always been a pretty good co-angler uh but yeah, I can see when when there's that degree of money on the line, I, I feel like it's so easy to it, it would be so easy to get a foul of your pro if you just if you're trying to do something too much. It's really all about respect. Yeah, so I liked I liked that. I liked talking to him about uh, him and thrift. I think that's a fun angle to get on mm-hmm. thrift because you don't you know Brian Thrift is an awesome guy, great fisherman, but. It's cool to get it from another perspective that has information on him, mm-hmm. and I liked that. Agreed. I also like the fact that he's just not jumping right to the pro ranks. He kind of realizes, like, hey, I don't think I'm ready yet, so, you know, I'll work my way up through the Rayovac series and fish a couple as a pro there or a boater, and uh, 
Yeah, yeah still fish the tour as a co-angler. I respect that. Because a lot of guys would win and say, hey, I'm good enough. I'm moving to the front next year. And one or two years later, we never hear from him again. So obviously Brian's doing his best to make sure that doesn't happen. And uh, I think he's doing it the right way. Well, I can definitely respect that. I will say I wonder if maybe, you know, he fishes with Brian Thrift all the time. Maybe he thinks, well, I have to be, you know, as good as Brian Thrift before I'm good enough. (laughs) And that's not a standard that you want to hold yourself to. (laughs) You want to have lower standards than Brian Thrift. Uh, Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if he's ready or not. Um, He's a dang good co-angler, I know that. I know, and that's usually a pretty good indicator of being pretty close to being ready. I pronounced indicator very interestingly there. (laughs) Um, That's usually a pretty good indication of being ready or semi-ready for the tour. So I'll be really interested to see how he does as a boater in the Rayovacs this coming year. I know Casey Martin fished the Rayovacs as a boater, had some uh, pretty good finishes. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, if he has a decent season... I think uh, I think it's not unreasonable to see him step into the front in 2016. I know it sort of sounded, you know, to me anyhow, that he was thinking that 2016 would be early, that maybe 2017, if mm-hmm. just if you know, big picture, 2017 would be where he would look at. But I I think, you know, he could probably do it earlier, even if he doesn't have a good year, because you can still learn a lot and become a much better fisherman without having the results to show it necessarily. So Definitely. anyhow, I'm looking forward to following his career down the road. Definitely, and I. You know, he's already got that automatic qualification in the cup next year as a co. Probably wouldn't have needed it. Probably would have. He, probably. I, he would have made it back, I'm sure. But, he does. I mean, he's back, and he will be a factor next year on the co-angler side of things. So, No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, he says he likes clear water. Wachita has a lot of clear water. Mm-hmm. Two-time. Didn't always, though. He hated it when he first started. I know, but he likes he's, it now. He's learned to love it. See, he picked up a spinning rod, and that's a good thing. Definitely. When you're fishing off the back. Good thing just in general. Pick up a spinning rod, that's good. I'm a, I'm a fan. All right, so now what else we got going on in FLW land? Well, we got a uh, Rayback here to actually talk about. Yes, that's right, James River. The yep. rescheduled James River event. Yeah, and uh, they caught him pretty good. Uh, Brian Schmidt picked up the win. He had like 52-something. Um, really pretty good bags every day, basically. You have written here, hashtag stud. Well, yeah, because he is. So, you know, I was sitting around. I'm like, well, I'm going to take my personal pick, and then I'm going to – and so that's going to be Charlie. And then, you know, who am I going to take Are you here? talking for the Rumble? I'm talking about the Rumble. Okay. I was like, well, I'm going to take either Brian Schmidt or Joe Wood or somebody else. And I, what an idiot I am. I mean, okay, so the James River is not the Chesapeake. It's not the Potomac. It still has tides. I should have picked Brian Schmidt because, man, that dude catches them everywhere with the tide. And he's fired up to fish the tour again next year. And I tell you what, I like him early favorite to win on the Potomac. Wow. Okay. Already calling it. I'm just saying, is there anybody who's a better title fisherman than Brian Schmidt? He did tie the record, right? He's now tied with career yeah. Rayovac series wins with, was it nine? Maybe five. it was five. Okay. <laughs> Maybe nine's a little much. I'm getting a little I think excited. He's got but... like. I think he's got like nine something if you start counting BFLs and okay. stuff like that. But yeah, he's got five Rayback wins tied with Kobe Krieger and Randy Haynes. I'm starting Two to call him FLW East Tour Coast. studs. Yeah. I've decided I'm going to start calling him East Coast Randy Haynes. The East Coast Randy Haynes. Yeah, because he's basically on East Coast Tidal Rivers what Randy Haynes is on the Tennessee River. 
It's basically the same thing. All right. I'm sure he would be all right with that nickname. I know. And, you know, Randy Haynes, awesome guy. Uh, Brian Schmidt, awesome guy. Neither of them really smile that much. They're both uh, pretty keyed into their fishing, and they're hmm. not, they, they don't get too fired up uh, on stage. So I think it fits. Tell you what, I was smiling when I saw that I won another Rayovac Rumble, baby. I know. I got to qu- stop getting the first pick. It kills me every time. You want to run down the scoring real quick? Sure. I got it right here. So, Joe, you took uh, Lefebvre, JT Kenny, and Richard Owen for a uh, composite of 17.3. How did Richard Owen do? I don't have the results in front of me. Do you remember off the top of your head? Um, no. I think he finished maybe like 22nd. Okay. He did pretty good. I'll take uh, it. Yeah, 17.3. That's a good score. And then I had Adrian Avina, uh, Joe Wood, Charlie Maycheck for a total score of 19. Ooh, so 19 to 7.3. So I win again. That puts the Rayovac Rumble total at 7 to 5. I'm almost to 8. Eight's the magic number, Jody. It well, could be game over. Is 8 the magic number or is the championship worth double? I want to know. The championship is not worth double. You sure it's not worth double? No. We, okay. Yeah, no, that's a single event. Five to seven. Worth more money, though. It is worth more money. There's a ten spots going to the Forestwood Cup as well. I know. I think it could be worth double. Um, I'm um, calling shenanigans. <laughs> These rules need to be stated prior to the season beginning. Okay, well, see, here's the thing. We didn't put down any rules prior to the season. <laughs> we, we, haven't even de- we never even decided whether we were going to include the championship or not. So, But, yeah. I, I don't uh, think we'll even get to it because I'm going to win lacrosse in two weeks or what is, it? what is it? Yeah, two weeks. All right, well, you know, you can think that, but that seems unlikely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, I'm looking forward to that. I've... I've got a lot of Mississippi River mojo going. I've been on it a couple times. I've got the feel. I know who to pick. It's going to happen. I'd love to see you out with the Barbie pole. I'm excited. Well, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to that because I'll definitely kick your butt. All right. Regardless. All right. Uh, so that's if that happens, man, that's going to be fun. Um. So, yeah, that was an awesome tournament. I had fun uh, writing the release for that. Uh, Brian Schmidt, he uh, had one little key spot, caught him in the morning. So that was his clutch deal. He caught all his big fish in the morning. He wasn't sure if it was a tide thing or if it was a just morning light thing. Um, but anyhow, it worked out for him. Uh, and there were some giants caught in this. I mean, the chick is kicking out some really mm-hmm. big, uh, some really big fish, which is impressive. Wait, did you just call it the chick? Yeah, the chick. Oh, Chickahominy. Gotcha. Which is where most of the top finishers ran to. Sure. After this tournament as well, I don't know if you saw, but the uh, this was the last regular season event in the Northern Division, so the points race is over. And did you happen to see who won Angler of the Year? Kellogg's Pro Dave Lefebvre? Yes, Dave Lefebvre. So congratulations, Dave. We'll be looking forward to seeing you at the championship. Yeah, And, you know, we've got an Angler of the Year for the Southeastern Division, which I don't think we ever talked about or looked up or thought about. No. I'm sure they're awesome, too, so... I could look it up real quick. I say I've got it right in front of me here. The Southeast Division Angler of the Year was Keith Pace from Monticello, Alabama. Awesome. Five hundred and forty-one points. So, and he he finished. How many points did Lefebvre get? Lefebvre had five hundred seventy-six points. All right. That Southeast Division was stacked, though. Some of the guys that Keith finished ahead of: uh, fourth place Clint Davis, fifth place Randy Haynes, sixth place Shin Fukai. 
Ninth place, Barry Wilson. You know, there was a stacked top ten there with a lot of FLW Tour pros. So, Yeah, it's impressive to see Haynes up that high considering one of the events was uh, Okeechobee and mm-hmm. one of the events was uh, Santee. Agreed. Uh, yeah, so that was that's cool. Um, obviously, I mean, there's going to be some big names in the Rayovac Championship. Brian which Thrift in to. 18th place in that Southeast Division. Yep, another big name in the Rayovac Championship. It's going to be fun. I'm fired yeah, up for that. There's going to be a lot of good guys in that championship, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could also, I mean, with the number of spots that go into the Forestwood Cup from there, I mean, it could really uh, almost shake up the tour season, depending on how guys finish and what guys, you know, feel they need to do going into the season. Um, just, you know, I mean, we saw we saw Dan Moorhead, you know, fish the whole season, had a great year, but didn't need to qualify for the Forestwood Cup this year. I wonder if, you know, maybe with a few more guys who might have that mentality, we might see some more uh, swinging for the fences from some of these anglers. Gosh, looking at that Southeast Division standings and, like, the people that didn't make it into the Railback Championship. Did Michael Neal make it in? There are quite a few. Michael Neal did not make it in in that division. I'm not sure he fished all of them, though. Uh, I'm looking at the first guy out was Rookie of the Year last year, Drew Benton. Uh, Casey Martin, both Keystone Light pros, Casey Martin and Chad Grigsby, didn't make it in. Uh there's a lot of big names. Like, the Railvacs are no joke. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, that w- that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, speaking of nothing, uh, we're going on to the <laughs> college fishing event yeah. on Chautauqua. Chautauqua, is that how you say it? Speaking Chattaquaba? of Fibre, who loves Lake Chautauqua or Chautauqua Lake, we're going to go on to the college fishing event. How All about right. that segue? All right, I like right? that transition. That um, anyhow. Sid Hoover and Brett Warwick of Ohio State caught 17 pounds, 15 ounces. Uh, they caught their in the morning. They caught some big smallmouth off a deep weed line, and then later on, as the day went on, they moved over to a dock and uh, caught some largemouth, or not a dock, a number of docks, mm-hmm. and caught some largemouth to pad their bag. And they caught their uh, largemouth on a senko and their smallmouth on a little uh, green pumpkin jig, which they didn't name. Uh, top secret stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah they came away with the win so congratulations to them cool i know you talked to lefebvre before the event and got some predictions from him how did he do on the weight prediction oh he was way off way off what did he say it would take i uh, i think he said like it would take like 20 plus maybe like 22 okay or like somebody could catch 25 which i mean i respect that he loves the fishery uh and sometimes it's easy to get fired up about a fishery. Mm-hmm. Fibre fished a team tournament there and caught like 18 and change for second place uh, just last week, I think. So, you know, maybe he was big eyeing it a little bit, <laughs> uh, a la Steve Kennedy. But yeah, he definitely, um, definitely is a good fishery. I mean, everybody in the top 15 caught five bass. They all had limits. There's obviously a lot of fish to be caught there, and it looks like a lot of fun. And I still want to go there. Congratulations to the Ohio State University. All right. So, Joe, before we get to the BFL Weekly Update, I guess I've kind of got only one more thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, that tour talk, right? Yeah, so we ran an article up on FLWoutdoors.com. Which I liked, by the way. thought it was awesome. I did, Loved too. the roundtable discussion. Well, it wasn't so much a discussion. We just got questions and we answered them. But um, it had the roundtable discussion feel to it. Yeah. You got to see a number of different opinions, mm-hmm. which I liked. Um, and you were very opinionated, by the way. Great. <laughs> I stand by those opinions until they're wrong. Um, 
No, but I, I like the I I like you know being able to have random opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's what you think. You know, go for it. Uh, but anyhow, one of the couple of questions that I figured we should ask you. I know we sort of talked over a bunch of these Uh-oh. last week. Mm-hmm. But uh, number one, uh, where does Gagliardi rank all time among FLW anglers? And I believe the question was, is he now in the top ten? Right. Something like that. And here's the thing. This is a difficult question to answer because oh, absolutely. it depends on how you define it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Kevin Van Dam, are you going to put him top 10? No. Sure, you could. You could make that argument. Sure. You could put Jimmy Houston in the top 10. You could put Larry Nixon in the top 10. There are a lot of guys you could say, you just throw them in the top 10 just because they are who they legends. are. Mm-hmm. Or do you put them in the top 10 based on, you know, extensive FLW tour performance, something like that? I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. So, and it depends on how you construct your top 10. So, Joe, where do you rank Anthony Gagliardi? I agree that this is a super tough question to answer, just because also, like, I didn't really follow FLW in the early days, and I've only been here for, you know, for this is my third season. So I feel like my opinion. And, like, my experience at this year's Cup with Gagliardi winning, it's probably a little biased because it was the most special event that I've been to. That being said, is Anthony in the top ten? Ugh, this is tough. I'm going to say maybe. Like, he's probably right around that number ten mark. Now, can I just name off, you know, nine guys that I think are better all-time than him? I mean... Do you want to try? No. No, I don't. No? Okay, because no. I wouldn't mind trying. We can do it right here. No, I, but not without a list in front of me. I think, like, if we had some set criteria, like, as far as, you know, m- craziest win or our best overall fisherman, are we talking, like, skill-wise? Like, this is the guy that I'd put on any body of water, you know, across the country, and he'll do well. I don't necessarily think that's a top ten However, uh, storyline-wise, Anthony's number one. There was That was one of the questions in that thing. There was no better story in FLW history than that after everything that he overcame. Now, as far as fishing-wise and skill-wise, do I think he's top ten? Probably not. I think he's probably got some skills that are unique and that he's in the top ten in. But, like, overall... I, I would say no. He's not in the top ten. So we agree. Yes, I, I agree. I think I said that I could maybe put him in the top 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's absolutely in the top 25. You could make a strong argument for top 15. But then again, we're talking all time now. So you got to go back and look at the guys, you know, 96 to 2004 who didn't get the exposure that guys are getting now. And, you know, there were plenty of good anglers like – Kevin Van Dam around back in that era that did have quite a successful career with FLW in that time period. So it's it's a really tough question. Yeah, I I, I think to to really if you were going to really iron out a number, you would need to you know put in some criteria Agreed. for sure. Because if you're just going by feel, that feel is going to vary person to person. And I mean, we're coming off the biggest win of his career that is going to skew the results right now anyways. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably, it might be making me, you know, rank him down because I'm trying to avoid skewing those results. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be overreacting to that. 
negatively. All right. Um, possibly. I don't know, maybe. What was another one of the questions you were uh, uh, interested so in my the opinion other, on? The other one that I wanted to ask you uh, was, when do we see a repeat champion, and who is it? Soon. I think we see a repeat champion very soon, within the next two to three years. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it happens next year. Honestly, I thought we were going to see it happen this year. Even after you know day three, when Ayler was leading, if I was a betting man, pre- which I, mean, I am... Brent Ayler is usually a pretty good bet. I would have put a lot of money on Brent doing it this year. So as far as when it's going to happen, I'll say within the next two years it'll happen. As far as who is going to do it, now that's tough. It could be anyway. I kind of like Rob Newell's suggestion that it could be Suggs next year because obviously that's his home lake. Uh, he doesn't have to make the Forestwood Cup. He's though. won the Cup before. Not, he does have to make the Forestwood Cup. He's not to make the Forestwood Cup. Um, he's not a guy like Thrift. He just pencil in. Then again, we can we pencil in Larry Nixon and he didn't make it. We pencil in Luke Clawson and he didn't make it. So anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when it's on the guy's home lake though, they, they c- it kind of lights a fire on him. You saw it with Anthony this year. I mean, it, Anthony didn't make the cup last year, so he found out the cup was on his home lake, got DQ'd, and uh, <laughs> powered through in just five events. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a guy so your like advice to Scott Suggs is to get DQ'd. No, no, not at all. But to get fired up, get pumped, because it's on I'm your sure home he will, I'm sure he will be. That being said, I don't think Scott Suggs would be the favorite to do that. I think, you know, obviously a guy like Ayler, who a lot of guys called out in that article. Jacob Wheeler is a guy that could absolutely do it. Randall Tharp could absolutely do it. And Gagliardi could kind of do it. I mean, watch Tom. People were talking about David Dudley being the guy yeah, to do it. David he, Dudley, another I mean, guy. He almost absolutely. did it, this one. He was in the driver's seat. I'm an idiot for not talking about um, David Dudley. I haven't. I didn't. In that article, I don't think. I think one person might have just like, well, these guys and, you know, maybe David Dudley. I was like, dude, come on. More people need to talk about David Dudley. No, I agree. Because um, David Dudley can do it. I mean, he's. How many of these other guys we're talking about have won back to back anger of the years, right? David Dudley can do it. Agreed. It's silly of me to not mention David Dudley. It really was. But uh, any one of them, Scott Martin could do it. He's won at Watchdog before. He, we're going back. He could do it again. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of guys that could do it. I think it'll happen within the next two years. I, I like the within the next two years parameter because personally, we said who's the early favorite for next year. I said Cody Meyer. Yeah, you just think he's due. Which I think I, he's due. I can't argue against that, of course. But uh, I mean, Cody Meyer's awesome. You also uh, said 100% that we would have a repeat champion this year. I know, and I was wrong. You were like really close. Three ounces. Yeah. It's killing me. <laughs> Imagine if that prediction had worked out. What a gosh. Because I've been beating you up on it all year since you've said it. So I know. And I, <laughs> that would have been cool. Um but yeah, so I, I I like Cody Meyer next year, but I definitely I agree with you. You know, somewhere next two three years mm-hmm. we're gonna have a repeat. It's gonna happen. But I mean, there's I, too many guys who are too good, who have won it already to not win it again. Mm-hmm. It's getting it's we're getting to that tipping point where we've got enough guys and so many of them are studs that it's it's due. I loved the tour talk article. Keep them coming. That's good stuff, and it makes for great podcast discussion topics as well. So, yeah. Also, I loved Tom Re- Tom Reddington's pick to win the Forestwood Cup next year. He went with Stacy King. He thinks he's coming back at full strength. He's like halfway through his chemo now. Mm-hmm. Apparently, 
I mean, I guess it's tough sledding, but as far as we know and as far as I've seen, he's doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought, you know what? Ozark Lake, Stacey King's my man. So I love that pick. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could because Stacey King's a really good fisherman. That, would, that be... would be an incredible story. I'll say another incredible story. I mean, we had Gagliardi this year. Can you imagine the story with Stacey Rattles next year? Yes, yeah, beats cancer and wins the cup. Gosh, yeah. that would be awesome. It would be huge. Yeah, that would be uh, that. That would be the story dream right there for sure. All right, Joe, you have anything else before we talk BFL? No, let's talk some BFLs. All right. Well, in that case, we're ready for the BFL weekly update. Oh yeah. All right, number one, uh, Great Lakes Division on the Mississippi River uh, at Prairie Duchine, Duchen, Duchine. I don't really I'm know. Go Duchine, Prairie Duchine. All right. I don't know, but at the place that's not lacrosse. Yep. Um, Clayton Reitz caught 15 pounds, four ounces for the win. I'm going to let him talk about that right now. I stay on uh, pool 10, and. Uh... Uh, stayed uh, fairly close to uh, takeoff. I bet I burned, uh, oh crap, I bet I burned uh, probably eight gallons of gas, maybe only. I caught uh, all smallmouth. Um, I caught uh, uh, about, uh, I'd say, nine, nine or ten keepers. Uh, all day long had a first, I'd say my first five spots, I didn't catch anything. And then uh, my next five, uh, five spots all, all panned out uh, to, uh, to get, uh, to get me a limit. And, um, and I probably called, um, I bet I called five uh, fish throughout the day. All right, cool. Got the, got the better one, better ones came, uh, better ones came came later in the day. My my, I had a small limit, you know, in the first couple hours, and then I was able to call almost all all those out uh, later in the day. Caught um, one uh, one or two on a tube, and then uh, uh, the rest of them on uh, uh, crankbaits, Rapala crankbaits, and uh, most of uh, the fish came off uh, sand. Sand drops uh, where uh, where bait fish were uh, uh, were present, and then and then and then the other ones were kind of came on uh, rock banks. When I called when I called all the little ones, I thought I thought um, I thought I had a chance because I had two two that were like three and a half pounds, and then uh, and the rest were all pretty nice. And I figured I I figured I was one one. You know, big big fish away. If I could get a three another three and a half or a four pounder, I figure I'd have a chance to, uh, you know, to be up near sixteen pounds, which was what, what I thought we would take. And uh, and I had I had it I had one on. I ended up breaking the damn thing off. And then I I, I was kind of so I spent most of the day saying I gotta, you know, I can't let that one, you know, cost me. And then the kind of the day went on, and I was able to call maybe one last time, but it wasn't. It was just a couple ounces. And uh, so I knew I had about 15 pounds, but I, and I thought I would be, you know, probably top top three. But I didn't. I figured someone would have, you know, 16 pounds of largemouth on a frog, and you know, I, it, would, it wouldn't be enough. So I weighed in. I was the first boater to weigh in, actually. Um, and 
and then I had to sit there for an hour and a half and wait. So it was kind of, I was kind of surprised I actually put my boat on the trailer and drove, kind of drove around and uh, probably got back to the way and it was halfway through and I was shocked to hear I was still leading. And uh, and then somebody weighed in 13 pounds and he was in second. I was like, wow, that's a, it, weights are really down today. So I kind of, when I heard 13 pounds was in second, I thought, you know, that, I might actually, I, I might actually pull this off. And then uh, it actually had happened. All right, so as you heard, he caught all smallmouth, which is awesome. He also pronounced Rapala incorrectly. The bait he threw was a Rapala DT6. He threw it in a shad color. Here we go again. If by here we go again, you mean why do you keep fighting me on this, then yeah, here we go again. So, okay, hang on. You said he caught it was a shad color DT6? Yeah. All right. What was he throwing it around or said in the audio? Well, it was in the audio. Uh, okay. Which you didn't listen to, um, <laughs> because that's not how we do these podcasts, Burn. guys. It's just part of the uh, part. It's just part yeah. of the way it is. Um, would you like me to tell you that, or do you want that to be a mystery? No, I'll I'll go back and listen. I just don't get to listen to it while we're recording. So I, I could I could innovate and make that happen next time if you wanted. As to. long as he covers it in the interview, our listeners are happy. They'll be happy because he covered it very well. All right. Congratulations to Clayton Wrights. Any other uh, things you wanted to say about that event? No. Okay. Um, next up, the Michigan Division fished on the Detroit River, which basically means some of them fish on the Detroit River, some of them fish on Lake Erie, and some of them fish on Lake St. Clair. And Chris King caught 22 pounds, 11 ounces. Where did he choose to fish? Lake Erie. Okay. He fished a variety of offshore structure from about 18 to 28 feet deep. Uh, around some rock piles, some uh, edges, some drops, stuff like that. Caught all his fish on a drop shot, all smallmouth. Uh, he, it was, it was interesting. He was telling me that he actually lost a, a bunch of fish early in the day. He lost three or four good ones early in the morning, and he was really, you know, kind of down, thinking he wasn't going to win. Because usually, when you lose fish, especially in a BFL, that's not a recipe for winning. You know, mm-hmm. Usually, things go right when you win, and he ended up battling back, catching more fish, and. Boom, came in with a W. All right. Congratulations, Chris King. All right. And then finally, uh, Piedmont Division. Is it Piedmont? Piedmont. Piedmont Division. <laughs> I kind of like Piedmont. Um, uh, they had their super tournament, two-day event, enhanced payouts. Uh, super tournament. Um, yeah. Uh, on Kerr Lake, Brandon Gray caught 22 pounds, 14 ounces over Whoa, two days. I got 24 pounds, 14 ounces. Oh, yeah, day. you're right. It is 24 pounds, 14. Okay. That's what I have written down. I just can't read. Um, Two-day total. Yeah, which is uh, nine fish, by the way. Didn't weigh wow. in the limit on the first day. And uh, we've got his audio right now. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I live on the lake here, and I uh, hadn't fished a BFL since, uh, oh, Lord, 2008 or nine maybe, uh, but uh, just decided to get in it. Uh, summertime is usually my time on the lake, but this year the lake has been up higher than normal. We've been getting uh, torrential rainstorms every afternoon, and usually the lake is three to four foot down, but it was about a foot high this week, and it's been like that all year, so... Two weeks ago, you know, I got in the tournament two or three weeks ago. You know, it was about a, I thought it was about a 17 to 20 pound bag to be caught every day. You know, it was getting good out deep. 
and then, uh, like I said, it rained and the lake come up. And when that happens, the fish scatter out, and it kind of just destroyed what I had put together three or four weeks to get three or four weeks ago. And uh, I practiced four days for the tournament, uh, and practice was off and on, uh, fairly good. Had couple good days of practice and two bad days of practice but uh anyway i fished the first day of the tournament saturday i fished deep for him and uh let's see the first place i went to i think i caught 20 but only had four keepers out of the 20 i caught and i just thought i could catch and i had 30 more places to hit, and I just thought I could catch another good fish out deep, and it just never happened, you know. And uh, I actually ended up going shallow the last couple hours, thinking I could get one up shallow because we had clouds and a hard front coming in this weekend, and uh, the northeast wind was blowing right good. So, But, but it just didn't happen. I only had four fish the first day. Uh, and then yesterday, Sunday, I had found some fish up the lake. Uh, those fish were on boat docks, and they were probably four or five foot deep. And so I decided just to take a gamble and go up there and fish those fish, do something different. And uh, the weather was kind of helping that more than the offshore bite. Yeah, we had cloud cover, a little bit of sun popping out here and there, but uh, ended up those fish moved, and I went up there and just searched for them again and actually found them. This fish was about six to a foot deep up in anything, anything it could get around in on the bank, and I caught them just pitching a, a Havoc Pit Boss. Nice. Yeah, and uh, ended up catching probably around 10 or 12 keepers up there all day. All right, so Brandon, you know, he talked extensively, really covered basically everything. Uh, the one thing to mention is his morning spot on the first day of the event where he caught his four bass, he caught him on a flutter spoon. And it was really a key morning time bite. It was a small window. It was fish keen on bait that they just came in, he could catch them for a while, and then they would move back out and disappear. Hmm. So that was sort of the way it laid out for that particular, you know, happening. Nice, and now that was their Division Super Tournament, so their Piedmont Division is wrapped up for the year. Correct, and I didn't look to see who the Angler of the Year was, and I didn't look to see who's qualified for the regional, but yeah, those are all done now. Okay. And the Piedmont Division is over. They've either made the regional or they haven't. That, that was the first one as well, right? That's the first division that's wrapped up for the year? Yes, it was. All right. Although we're about to wrap up a lot more coming up. Right. Here. It's yeah, going to get busy. Six a week for the next month, basically. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of press fun. releases for Jody White. Well, um, congratulations to Brandon Gray with the uh, great two-day performance, and you know, yeah. taking home the nice check. And I mean, man, he crushed him on the second day. Yeah, he, he caught a really big bag. I think it was the biggest bag of the tournament. Uh, may not. I may be close. I may not be right on that. I, I think, think I remember it, that from the press release. I think it was the biggest, and uh, definitely made a big jump. What so you have awesome. to do when you only weigh in four fish on the first day. So. Yeah, you re- you really kind of do. All right, so that's uh, that's it. Joe, you mentioned you're going to the fair. Uh, do you have any other Labor Day weekend plans? No, I'm going to be outside. I'm going to get fishing somewhere at some point. It's one of my goals is to catch some fish. I'm going to go camping probably at some point. Nothing's really set in stone yet. It's just going like to kind of be a lazy weekend. you are. 
you've really got your schedule down pat, <laughs> similar to mine, where I have decided that I'm going to fish on Friday, and then we'll sort of see and whatnot, and I'm going to go. So yeah, I've just I've, got a list of stuff that I want to do throughout the weekend, and I'll do it at some point. Not sure when, but I know that I'm going to the fair on Friday. All right. Well, Joe, have fun at the fair on yeah. Friday. Yeah. Have fun um, fishing in uh, Friday and Sunday, right? And possibly Monday. Why are you taking Saturday off? Well, because Kyle's going to borrow the boat Saturday morning. Oh, Kyle Wood. Yeah. Fishing 101 superstar. And Circuit Breaker superstar. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Kyle's going to borrow the boat Saturday morning. That's very kind of you. I know. I'm just a nice guy like that. <laughs> uh, modest, too. And then I'm going to probably fish in the afternoon. Probably. But okay. maybe not. You never know. Something might develop. Cool. Well, good luck. Have a great weekend and enjoy your uh, FLW-provided day off on Friday. And then, of course, Labor Day on Monday. So we got a really nice long weekend here. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I still got a comp day that I got to take some point, at some point in time. Oh, buddy. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, anyhow, uh, you guys can follow FLW on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at flwoutdoors.com. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be up by the time you guys are listening to this. A uh, top 10 catches from the Forestwood Cup. Uh, Ion footage? Okay, cool. I watched it. I always like that stuff. Very cool. Um, Who was your favorite? You said you've seen it already. What was the best one? I, I have a hard time deciding between uh, Scott Canterbury and Steve Kennedy. Both of them get super fired up. On the final day, obviously. Yeah. That's when... Yeah. Uh, so one <laughs> when of the all of the top five thought they had won the cup. You know? Basically, yeah, yeah. Basically, everybody in the top five was like, I got this thing. <laughs> um, Steve Kennedy especially. And, you know, Steve Kennedy, you can – it's a little bit sad almost because you can look at it and he's so fired up and he's holding a three-pounder. Mm-hmm. And he big-eyed his fish all day. I mean, he knew it later afterward, but he just got caught, so caught up in the day. And so caught up in catching so many fish and catching some big ones. Could happen to anybody. Yeah, I mean, it can, but you look at it and you're like, and you're thinking about it. And you're like, he can't win the Forestwood Cup with that. But he catches these fish and he thinks he can. It's it's hmm. almost heartbreaking. It's, awesome. It's weird to watch. And I'm going to check it out as soon as we're out of here. You guys will enjoy that. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jody Blanco. Joe, you're at Joe O'Pogger. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I guess that's the deal. Yeah, sounds great. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. And yeah, we'll be back fishing, next week. Uh, stay safe, wear your life jackets, catch hogs, um, have fun. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. Yeah.